Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. All right, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with a fantastic artist, Mickey Facts. Uh, one of the one of the people in hip hop. You've been doing it for a long time, my man. You've been uh, doing it for for a long time. You've got close to to twenty mixtapes, albums. You've done it with artists like Royce. You've done it with artists like Novel. You've done it with artists like Sci High, The Prince, Elzai. The list literally goes on and on. Uh, you were Double XL freshman as well, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So your career is really impressive, and I mean. From my perspective, I look at someone like you and do you ever look back and go, you kind of can't believe how far you've come and all the things that you've actually achieved? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, I'm still in recovery. That's why I'm in bed, people. So just, you know, we were supposed to do this last week, but I had a strep throat with an abscess on my neck. Um, but yeah, you know, when I uh, when I look back at my uh career it's it's shocking to to see how many people i've worked with all of the accolades that i've uh obtained and uh just kind of the people that i've inspired along the way i I would have never thought i would have left an indelible mark on 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 the culture of hip-hop within my particular hub and fan base Um, i'm just grateful and honored that i was able to have that opportunity and and take you know take advantage of it when it came to me. And so how do you, how did you start in terms of your journey? Obviously, you know, you're influenced by a lot of great artists, but where was your journey kind of at the beginning? Where did you see yourself and how did you try and position yourself as an artist? Man, I think the internet really kind of made people see that they can do art in terms of music a lot more than when I was starting out. Um, I recorded my very first song in 1998. Wow. And it was called Live 9-8. And there was no Pro Tools. Um, you had to, you know, there was like an 8-dat. Well, not, it wasn't that, well, it wasn't 8-dat, but it was, you know, you had to kind of know what you were doing because <laughs> uh, rewinding and erasing something took more time than uh, Pro Tools. And for me at the time, you know, just being, just kind of rapping, right? Just being able to say I went to the studio was a huge deal. You know, so somebody saying they're going to the studio now, it's like, oh, okay, sounds good. But back then in 1998, nobody was really going to the studio. Um, so that was a very big deal for me at that time. And I did, I had no inclination of where I wanted to go with music or who I wanted to be, you know, being yourself. Well, at the time in 1998, you know, we're talking about, you know, the, the we're, we're reeling off of the death of Biggie Smalls, you know, Wu-Tang Forever is out, um, you know, the birth of Rough Riders and, and Cash Money. So like, 
I'm emulating these guys as, as opposed to being myself. You know, Kanye to me is the father of MCs who were being themselves and it was okay to be this person in, amidst all of these super gangsters. Mm. Um, he kind of broke the mold. And, you know, after him was Common and then after Common was Lupe and then I just kind of followed suit from there. But I was able to see that it was okay to be accepted in that manner. Because wearing glasses was not a cool thing. Yeah. I mean, picked up later on. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, now it's like it is cool that you can wear that you can wear frames and like it's part of the fashion. But do you miss that old era that like, you know, there's a real differentiation between who can go and record versus now? Um, a lot of people would a lot of people would go broke if they had to do it how they used to do it back in the days, because people just waste money in a studio trying to come up with music on the spot. I go into sessions with everything I know. I know exactly what I want when I go into a session. And, you know, I can't imagine how people would, who would do with, with, with what they do now back then. I can't even fathom it. Also, you got to remember, auto-tune wasn't a thing back then. It was just a vocoder, like what Roger Troutman did. Mm-hmm. California love. Like, that was... That was what it was. So I can't, I can't even, I can't even fathom it. Well, you, you know, if you saw, you know, straight out, straight out Compton, Easy E was a perfect example of that. Like he had to do it one line at a time. So I'm guessing that that's how people would do. First time I went to the studio, I was nervous as hell, but you know, I got it out. And one, now nah, I wouldn't say one take, maybe two or three takes, but that's because I knew exactly what I wanted to say on the record, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm always surprised by artists who don't plan their studio sessions before they go in. You know what I mean? It feels like it, like I, I'm one of those people who I'd rather plan, at least have an idea or have a concept in mind before I go in and just start, you know, prote- or just, just throwing down bars. Like, I feel like that's part of the the, the artist process. you got to have an idea. You know, everybody does what they do differently, man. Um, I've given up figuring artists out you would be surprised what each artist does like each artist has their thing and and, you know as long as they put in their ten thousand hours what their thing is is their thing and they're masters at what they do and i'm 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 a believer in that right like whatever it whatever it takes for you to get the job done you know get it done if you go into the studio with nothing no beat no concept no lyrics a beat come on, you get high enough and you go in there and you just, you know, whatever, you know, it's a vibe. Music is a vibe. So I, I champion that. But for me, I'm, I'm more for the, the feelers and the thinkers. So I have to go in there with some poignant material in order for my particular fan base to appreciate what it is that I deliver to them. I think there's like the change in kind of the use of the voice, like the voice used to, and t- depending on the artist, artists like yourself still carry a message, but you've seen a definite evolution of like the voice just being the instrument, just adding to the sound rather than actually carrying any sort of messaging moving forward. I always f- struggle with those types of tracks because they start to sound the same at some point. Like 
it just loses its inspiration. Like when I see an artist come in and literally weave words together and I can see rhyming patterns and multi-syllable rhymes and then you can see how the bars are spaced, it just really adds depth and you can see the skill set. Yeah, I mean, there's genius to everything, right? Like an artist who, the guys that you're talking about, right? Like they can't, I'm not saying that they can't do what we do, but it takes time for them to put some stuff together and, and have these, these poignant tales of lyricism and rhyme schemes and entendre and entendre, pardon me, Lupe says entendre, <laughs> multisyllabic schemes. Like a guy can't, like some of these, these uh, trap singing rappers can't do that. But on the flip side, lyricists such as myself who dibble and dabble in that era, area, we can do it. Like, let's not, we can flow and, and do that. But there is a specific vibe that goes into what they do. And if you're not in tune with that kind of style, it comes off as you're just being this technically dope artist over this kind of style, as opposed, you're not trying to make a dope song. You're trying to impress the listener, if that makes sense. So do you think there are people who are not sticking in their lane well enough? Like they're just trying to, you know, go a broad brush and just trying to hit every sort of listener rather than going, you know, I'm going to specialize in this. I think that's what Drake does. I think Drake hits everybody. Now listen to this album today. You know, he got something for the trap rappers and fans. He got stuff for the hip hop heads. He has a lot more than normal. On, on this album with hip for hip hop, you got about maybe five rap songs on there. I was actually shocked. Um, then he got some bounce records and some trap songs, and then he got the R and B stuff. Then he got some Afro beat stuff. He tries to hit everybody on this album, and it works for him. I would still prefer a whole boom bap album from him, though. Yeah, I I agree with you, uh, but I he, I mean he does it. He's like you know, the poster child for doing that. Like, that's not every artist. I mean, he's got the skill set to be able to blend in all these different styles. And, um, I mean, you know, he just seems to put out, you know, hit after hit, and it just seems to – everybody seems to love it. But, like, yeah. that is the epitome of that type of artist. It's really hard to get to that point. It is. And I think he's he's figured out what works for him and his fan base. But I, I do feel – that every artist should just, you know, experiment and see what works for them, what doesn't work for them, and cater to the people that are supporting them. That's what really matters. Definitely. Well, something I was going to ask you about was your kind of work ethic and your hustle. I mean, you've dropped so many projects. How do you keep, like, the inspiration going? I'm always – because I'm not an artist myself. Like, I'm I'm a talker. That's my skill set. But I look at people like you and I'm like – I wonder how you don't run out of material because it's like, and don't run out of like inspiration over 20 plus years and so many projects. Great question. Um, I think music is an everlasting inspiration and so is life. I don't, I believe as, 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 as long as there's news in the world, there should be music because something is always happening. And all we're doing is reporting it or telling a story about that. So for me, like, like I'm working on 
like three projects at the same time currently. And all these projects are completely different from each other. Um, and it's new, fresh material. And I always tell, you know, people who are fans of lyricism, there are, all, there are over 1.1 million words in the English language. Yeah, I think it's the, the most words in any language or in English. Yeah, 1.1 million. So it's like, if there are 1.1 million words, you know, objectively, I've probably used maybe 100,000, 150,000 words. But then you got to think about the combinations. That's what creates the multisyllabic styles. Yeah. And then add on to that concepts and stories. I feel like I'll, I can... I feel like I can put out multiple projects every year and, and, and never feel redundant. I have three projects that I'm working on. Like I was saying previously, one of them is a concept driven project that is mind blowing, mind bending. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm on my, what, this is my 15th year coming up, you know? So the fact that I'm still trying to push boundaries and limits within lyricism speaks volumes to how I feel about the culture. Well, how do you get into the mindset of doing three albums at the same time? I mean, there are so many artists that talk about, I can only do one project one time and it'll take me two years before it's done, but you're obviously doing multiple projects. How do you weave in and out and get the mindset right for each, you know, recording session? Um, for me, it's more about execution. I'm driven by finishing and completing a, 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 a concept. Like take the letter uh, A minus, for example. Like that concept of writing a song about the letter A without using the letter A, it was like, I have to finish that because nobody's ever done it. So I have to do it. So how can I get it done? The only way to get it done is to actually do it. And I can't. I was working on a completely different other project while I was working on that. And it's like, once I get in that zone, it just kind of flows. And I, you know, and sometimes I bounce from one project to the next, one project to the next. Whatever inspiration hits me at that time, that's, that's what I'm going to speak to. I don't believe in the concept of a uh, um, writer's block. There's no such thing as writer's block. As people who read books and, watch television and and gather and hoard information there should be no such thing as writer's block ever too much information so what do you do like because obviously there are times when it's difficult yeah so like people always refer to writer's block as they can't find the words that they're looking for it's not coming out or they don't find that inspiration what do you do when you have moments like that do you just you know sit and just keep going or, or what's your process in that sense? I don't have moments like that. Why would I have moments like that? We read. There's, 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 there are books. I have a, I have a mass, I have a massive library. There's so much information funneling through Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. I watch the office. I, I, there's no way I can get writer's block. I'm sorry. Like, I feel bad for people who do. Like, I'm not going to, you know, take away from people who do experience that. But my last solo project, Q, which was a, you know, 
a dedication to fatherhood. I wrote that in three days. Wow. I wrote the whole project in three days. This project, I'm doing this project with Crisis, a producer from uh, North Carolina. He signed the Ninth Wonder. It took me. It took me. It took me four days to come up with the concept, the idea of this project. And he's been sending me beats, and I have three beats that I know I'm going to use. I haven't written anything, but I know the concept. Um, when I get into that mode of okay, I'm ready to write. It's a snap. It's it's a breeze. It just all starts flowing because I have I have something to say. We all have something to say. I'm not. I can't let the thought of writer's block be something that takes me out of my comfort zone. It's just it's impossible. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much out there in terms of learning to to let that happen. Well, do you think that part of it is that people aren't reading enough? Part of me thinks that. You know, this evolution of like time is like you don't have the vocabulary or you don't have the words that you want to have to be able to express what you want to express. And like the evolution of like, you know, Netflix and streaming services and like, you know, IG and like even myself, like I'll listen to an audio book rather than actually read the words. So do you think that like the reading aspect of being able to write has actually kind of hindered a lot of people's progression absolutely i can just tell by some of these people's comments maybe they're trolls they can't read they can't spell i don't think people are reading enough you know blogs are no longer here everything is picture driven you know when you look at the iphone when the iphone first came out it was focused on mute well the ipod was focused on music and the phone was focused on, when it first came out, it was focused on music and talking on the phone. And then once they realized that music wasn't going to be what it was going to be, they focused it on the camera. They started to focus on the camera. It was no longer about music. Then obviously they replaced books. They're trying to replace books with, with audio books, reading a book on your phone. All of these things are to take reading out of society a little bit we need to read man we need to read man yeah i mean i remember loving reading when i was a kid and i don't know it's like part of that i think we're so used to having you know screens in front of our face we're like watching netflix but then i've got my phone at the same time it's like people are not practicing just doing one thing they need like three four different distractions at the same time and then when they're reading they're like Oh, I got to check IG or I got to check who messaged me and they don't know how. And I, to a certain extent, don't know how to like, you know, separate that time. You almost need to put your phone and lock it away. So you've just got that time to yourself. Right. Yeah, it can be tough, man. Um, I try to get a little bit of reading in every day. Um, it's tough. My wife definitely tries to read a lot too. She's a writer. So I would hope that she tries to read uh, more than me. Um, there's so many words out there, man. I play Scrabble every day. Um, I'm just trying to always feed my mind. The brain is a muscle, and it's all about trying your best to put these words together in a beautiful way, and that's that's what I'm here to do. Well, do you have a book recommendation? Is there a book that, like, stands out for you that was that were, like, you know, people should read? Um, 
Well, it depends on what it depends on what someone's trying to get out of it. I read these are the books that I'm currently reading right now. Let's go to my office. Wait, we're going on a live tour. Vicky <laughs> fact. <laughs> so um I'm I'm actually reading this book, The Walls Protocol, which is a paleo diet kind of thing. Um, so I'm reading this um, for autoimmune conditions. So this is one book that I'm reading currently. I try to read some, a couple pages every night of, of different books. Uh, this is another book that's a part of my reading, The Dead Are Arising, which is a uh, Malcolm X mm. book currently. And I am trying to remain young. So <sighs> Calvin and Hobbes, the greatest cop. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's big yeah this is a part of a four book series i have all four books it's massive every comic strip that bill watterson ever made so i read these three books current these are the three books that are in my um library currently that i'm reading um my uh you know what i'll show you my library well, while we're getting to library, my one of my favorite books and one that's always stuck with me is 1984. It's just one of those books that, like, I just cannot get out of my mind. And it talks about you know all this, all these different subliminal controls. Um, and now more than ever, I think we're seeing it come to fruition. But yeah, that's my recommendation for a book. But I think we've made it to your to your office. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, this is my uh, this is my book section. This is my cookbook section right here. Um, this is my art and art section right here. Warhol, Keith Haring stuff. Uh, this is my inspirational section. Malcolm X, Sada, stuff like that. Obviously, this is the continuation of those Calvin and Hobbes books. <laughs> um, these are some of my wife's books right here. Um, I've read some of them. Uh, this is my intellectual side right here where I get into my English language, obviously linguistics. Yeah. I love and, that. Linguistics for dummies. Yep. <laughs> linguistics for the mind metaphors. We live by semiotics, uh, some hip hop stuff here. Uh, my Marvel collection. And for those of you who are listening to this audio version, it's, huge this library there's hundreds of books so if mickey fax has time to make his own music and read books then you got time as well to read books as well yes sir uh, and i'm very proud of my uh library um i think it's essential man just for just for us as you know society to kind of get into that mode and into that zone to just read you know what i'm saying like it's it's it's, it's essential definitely I think, I think we don't do it enough. Well, something I actually wanted to ask you about, and you've been kind of uh, a name rolling around the circles at the moment in terms of hip hop news, but obviously there's, you know, the, the beefs quote unquote, and then you've got like Joe Budden talking and everybody's talking about you and Royce and Lupe. How are you feeling at the moment with regards to all of that front? Um, I'm all, I'm past it now. I think, uh, you know, that was a month ago. And I feel like people are dragging it now. Um, 
kind of over it at this point. You know, I think uh, I said what I had to say in terms of that scenario and put it in audio format and people loved it. And, you know, now we're just kind of moving on. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, when the parties that are involved decide that they want to uh, respond and, you know, we'll act accordingly. But for, for right now, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of I'm good right now. I think it's, it is what it is. And, you know, God bless, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's really it. You know what I'm saying? I can't really speak to it anymore. It's a month old, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, that's the thing. Like it just constantly surprised me that like, it feels like people are, are dragging it on to a certain extent. I'm dragging it on by bringing it up, but like, it, it felt like, you know, you obviously, and I personally, your track was my favorite out of all the, the tracks. I think your beat was better. And I think you actually delivered on what you wanted to deliver. Like when you came out, you delivered hard, you sent a message and obviously then everybody kind of got there up in arms. So I think you should, you know, look back and go, yeah, I did a good job because it was a good track. But I think now people just still just want to see, you know, it's like the drama continues. Yeah, it's a little disheartening um, from my standpoint because, you know, I, I was expecting, um, I was expecting like World War Three, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I was hoping, you know, people would be excited and be like, you know, people that were involved would be like, man. This is what hip hop's about. Let's, it's my turn now. It's, you know, it's, and then, you know, just have this back and forth thing that just, you know, spawns so many, so much inspiration. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, it just kind of, you know, it hit hard. It hit very, very hard. And then um, that's it. <laughs> And I'm just kind of like, uh, okay, uh, now I'm just working on part of me, part of me. I like oh, to play yeah. with, I like to play with my headphone case. Uh, now it's just like, well, okay, well, let me get back to creating music and I'm focusing on that because you know the energy and time that I was expecting and hoping for, we just didn't get. Uh, you know, I, I would. I can speak for Lupe as well. We were, we were waiting and then nothing happened. So we just kind of, it's like, all right, well, let's get back to what we were doing then. You know, I think we we're all expecting Royce to come out with something like just to, you know, cause in, in my mind, he's always been one of those figures in hip hop and personally one of my favorite figures in hip hop because he does know how to, you know, respond to these types of things. And he is really good on the mic. So I was also surprised that there was no, you know, actual track that came out. And um, there was obviously a recent one. Um, his brother, Kid Vicious, came out with a track. But again, like, it just didn't have the same kind of impact that, that you were expecting. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If, let's say, let's say Royce responds in December. How you as a as a supporter of hip hop and a fan of hip hop and a fan of Royce, I'm assuming. How would you feel? I'd say I think December's too late, personally. Like I would love it because I'm a big fan of who he is and and the music that he puts out. But 
you know, three months later, it's almost, it's over. It's no longer relevant anymore. It's like bringing up things that have moved on. So I personally think like when it comes to this sort of music, you need to be fast. Otherwise people just go, oh, you're just doing it for attention again. You're just trying to bring up something that's already moved on. The The people that you're beefing with, they've moved on to other things. So, I mean, I'd like it because I like his music, but I wouldn't like it because it's too late and therefore not as relevant as it could be. I agree. Um, I, uh, I was hoping for a response. I think a lot of people were, um, you know, shout out to his brother. His brother did respond. Um, but it just, it not only was it a month later, but it just didn't, didn't move me enough to kind of say, okay, I should, I should, you know, go back and forth with this guy. It just, it just wasn't, it wasn't there for me personally. Um, I did think his track was, was good, but it, you know, we, everybody's waiting for the, everybody's waiting for the big brother, man. You know, everybody's waiting for big bro. Step outside, B. But it didn't happen. So, um, you know, it's a little disappointing, but, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. I do believe that he will respond at some point, though. I, I, I don't know when, um, and it won't be three months. It, it, it'll be six months. If he responds in December, that's six months. Um, and, you know, he'll try to probably use the ether thing because that's what Nas, Nas took six months. But Nas did respond two more times before ether came out um i don't know i mean if he responds cool if he doesn't respond cool i'm i'm, I'm fine either way i think wraith did what it was supposed to do for hip-hop i think the people who heard it absolutely adored it and i'm just happy to be on that side of history I was just impressed with like it was like a legitimate diss track like it was just one of those ones that you love in hip hop where it was just you know spitting facts and you you knew what was going on you backed up all your opinions in like actual reasons it wasn't just you know for the clout like it was actually a point was made so that was why I loved it and you know the flow was really good you changed your flow throughout the track uh, you kind of did what he likes to do a little bit in there and the beat was really good. So, you know, apart from, you know, content, if anyone actually wants to listen to like a lesson on how to create a really solid concept driven track, that's one to listen to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would have to agree. I, uh, I wanted to create something that would not fly by night. You know, and as you can see, you know, and again, this is not a shot at Kid Vicious, but his song kind of just flew by night. It was like it was here today. It was going tomorrow. Um, whereas mine, it just kind of. It hit hard. And it was it was poignant. I've, I've been saying poignant all day, apparently uh, it was it was. I got my points across lyrically, like I think it was a it was a lyrical exhibition. Um, on how I felt. And I think that was the most important piece of this whole thing for me. It was, you know, solidifying my stance in hip hop. And I think that track, Wraith, did that. I, I believe it did that wholeheartedly. I agree. And I guess we'll see if anything comes of it, 
you know, later down the track, but it's well and truly over. And now, like you said, I think people are just talking about it to, you know, keep the drama because that's what they miss. They love a little bit of hip hop drama. But I mean, when I, in terms of your opinion, when it comes to beefs, how do you feel about them right now? How do you feel about, you know, the hip hop culture where it's at in terms of actually kind of, you know, having those legitimate beefs and when people actually go back and forth and there's a, a contest essentially. As long as it stays in the booth, I'm, I, I'm all for beef. Uh, as long as people understand what it is and, and they not, they don't take it to a place where it shouldn't go. I, I co-sign it 100%. I think a very beautiful example of that kind of beef was uh, Tory Lane's and Joyner Lucas. I thought that was, uh, beautiful you know there was no animosity um two guys just going head to head and it was it was amazing it was was incredible i loved every second of it you know that's that was engaging for me and i think that's great you know but when it gets when it spills onto outside of the booth and people are making threats and you know they don't want to rap then it then it turns into something completely different yeah i agree with you i think there's a like there's a line drawn that like it's purely you know words it's like i'm making my best track you're making your best track and it stops there and then anything after that is crossing the line because you know you're everyone's an artist and hip-hop is especially like you look at historically it's emotional it's like you know it's me trying to up you it's trying to up you and so if you make it violent it takes away from the culture yes 100 percent agree there you go. There's there's the Mickey Fax cosign the beef. Don't get violent. I know I'm personally against that. I don't want to fight over over you know a track something that anyone said in the booth. But man, how are you feeling at the moment in terms of you know finishing off 2021, heading into 2022? Obviously, you know everyone has kind of had challenges that they never expected over the past two years. But how are you you know feeling heading into the next you know 12 to 24 months? I'm very excited. I'm very happy. Um, you know, there are a lot more eyeballs on me now. So, you know, I'm trying to take advantage of this new uh, energy, um, trying to deliver a lot of great content to my supporters and make sure that they are really diving deep into what it is that I do and what I give them. Um, you know, the last 18 to 20 months were rough, but you know, that's the past. And I'm I'm trying to move forward and trying to keep a positive mindset and and work on music that, that inspires people, man. Like, you know, I've been inspired these, this past week, just so much, so much good music has come out from Kanye to Drake. Uh, My guy, JR just dropped something with Elzai. And it's like, okay, it's getting me back into that. It's getting me the itch to, to get, to jump back in and, and, and create something incredible. I want people to just hear something and be like, man, this helped change my life. That's, that's my goal. Every time I I step in the booth. Do you get surprised when people, you know, your fans hit you up and go, it did change my life. Like, I know that's a goal, but like there's, you know, I think we all imagine that. And then when someone tells you that that happened, it kind of, it's almost unexpected. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you say it arbitrarily, you know, I want to change somebody's life <laughs> until you actually do. And then it's like, whoa, 
I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> <laughs> or not that I didn't mean it that way, but whoa, I, uh, I didn't think that was going to actually happen. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful. I am grateful for anybody that I've touched, you know, musically. If it helped you get through whatever it is that you got through, then it was meant for me to write that. And I'm hoping to constantly do that on a consistent basis. I want to help people lyrically. Well, man, I think, you know, clearly your time spent, you know, in working on your craft, the time spent in the booth, the time spent, you know, educating yourself clearly has come through. And I was going to ask you as well, can you feel kind of the momentum right now in terms of, you know, people looking at you, they're going through your catalog. Do you actually feel that or is it something that you just see more of or can you feel like the buzz? It's definitely a, a feeling. Um, I think, uh, you know, I've felt this feeling a couple times in my career. Obviously, when I first came out, big jolt of energy of this new artist, Nikki Fax, who is this guy, and everything I'm putting out, people just gravitating to. Obviously, when I did my record deal, Honda Commercial, BT Cypher, dissing, no, not dissing, but doing my own control verse. Um, Mickey Mouse Project, you know, these these surges of energy come in waves and you have to kind of take advantage of it. And now I'm just kind of dwelling in this energy of race right now. And it's like, okay, well, let me let me give them something. Let me give them something else. And I gave them the narrative with Blue and Knots and it just hit people hard again. It's like, wow, Mickey just doesn't stop. So I'm just trying to continue that 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 beautiful feeling. And do you have a time frame for the next drop or your next project? Yeah, I'm looking this project with Crisis. I'm looking at dropping that maybe in March, but I'm trying to get something out in December. Um, I'm trying to get something out in December. But if this, you know, I'm only trying to get two features. Well, actually, one feature on this Crisis project. If I can get these, if I can get this one feature on this Crisis project, it'll probably come out in, in December. And it's, it's, it's massive. That's really soon. How many tracks are you thinking of? Seven tracks. Um, only seven tracks because, you know, people's attention spans are a little, they're not like high in terms of me, unless I'm doing a super passion project. Um, I do have a project, you know, Mickey Mouse 2. That's coming out March. That's going to be like 19 songs deep. Uh, but this this one is a quick offering, seven quick songs, but the the concept is so is so dense, it's so uh, so jam packed. I feel like people are gonna gravitate towards seven songs, um, and 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 love that for what it is. Well, I definitely feel like you know you're right that people don't hold on to an album for as long. Like you know the twenty track albums. I know Drake released, you know, I think it was twenty one tracks. But like even me, I'm looking at it going, I wonder how many people will listen to this through rather than just skim to find the beats that they like. And it's just like the era that we're in that those, you know, long albums don't cut through as, as much anymore. Yeah, it's a little tough. Um, I mean, him and Kanye are trying to change that narrative, which is great. Um, and I would love to be a part of that narrative change. Uh I just think this just this joint with crisis. I think it should be seven, and then it's, I have another project with another uh, producer that's like seven tracks. So I'm just trying to, you know, seven is a good number. 
keeps the keeps the bad tracks out, you know. <laughs> yeah, and lucky number seven as well. People, lucky, a lot of people. Lucky number seven. You know, the last yeah, the last two projects I did, you know, Warp Collages and Hue were both ten tracks deep. And people love both, but uh, you know, I wanna I wanna try to keep it even shorter. Seven seven songs, a good twenty-five to thirty minute listen should be good. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, um, obviously uh, you, you came through, but there's only one question that I plan on this podcast. Uh, and it's probably the hardest question that I ever ask. Um, everyone gets stumped by it. But if you had to recommend one album, doesn't have to be hip hop, cannot be your own, that everybody should listen to at least once, what would it be? 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying. Man After My Own Heart. That is the first hip hop album I ever listened to. Uh, it changed my life like no tomorrow. I'd never, I didn't even know what hip hop was before that album came out. And let me tell you, it's been a bane of my parents' existence. They always said to me, you'll grow out of hip hop. You know, I'm a white kid from Australia. Like my parents are both Russian. So like, you can just imagine what happened after that. Yeah, that that's the album, man. And I'm glad that 50 was able to get you into hip hop, man. That's dope. Yeah. Oh, I actually, you know, I can't speak of that album highly enough. And, um, you know, 50 is also one of those people who I look to as like, you know, one of those people who, you know, you look at his career and, and where he started and where he is now and his, you know, film and TV mogul and he's doing literally everything under the sun. So, um, yeah, I cannot speak highly enough of, of him and, uh, and a view for coming through, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm glad you recovered from, from COVID. I think you're the first guest that I've had that had COVID so close to the, to the episode. So I think that's a first for us, but um, no, I appreciate you coming through. And for anyone who hasn't checked out uh, Mickey facts, I think you're definitely sleeping because it's Mickey uh, go to his Spotify, make sure you go check out uh, his albums and you've got, you know, all uh, the the deep catalog, literally everything is there. I went deep and saw, you know, the track that you had uh, with Sai High and uh, Elza. I think that was in 2015 or something. So definitely go check them out. Um, and, you know, projects are always coming out. But, yeah, man, just wanted to say thank you and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on here. I really enjoyed this interview. It was really great, insightful, and the word of the day, poignant. Thank you so much, brother. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to, to plug before we finish up? Uh, just go pick up the narrative with me, Blue and Knots. Um, it's out currently right now. Uh, we got Asher Roth on there, uh, Coda the Friend, T- Tariana Bell from Taking the Bangers, Oswin Benjamin, Fashan, Sai the Kid, and El Hay. Go get that. There you go. And then send him a message, let him know what you think. You know, we're ov- always looking for feedback from fans. But yeah, again, I appreciate you coming through. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.